You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. And welcome back. I'm Heather Caro. And I'm Father John Rutten. And we're your hosts this morning for Real Presence Live. Thank you for joining us. We're broadcasting today from St. John Paul II Parish in Harrisburg, South Dakota. Beautiful little town south of Sioux Falls, about, I don't know, three seconds. A stone's throw. (laughs) A stone's throw. Every time I drive down here for our show, it's like... Oh, look at that new building. Look at that new building. Look at that new building. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. There's just enough space that you get to see the sunrise. Just enough. All right. Interesting conversations we've had this morning. Our first hour, we had two seminarians and ex-seminarian on to talk about life in the seminary. And if you missed any of that, you can always check it out on realpresenceradio.com. We'll have the podcast up later today. But we have an exciting guest on next, Father. Yes, we do. It is a great privilege to have Your Excellency Bishop Donald DeGroote. Thanks for joining us. Hey, you're welcome, but you need to know my brothers don't call me Your Excellency. They have some other names for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) I... uh, yeah, now is not the time to make a misstep. <laughs> it's being recorded. Yeah, yeah, there's proof. Very smart, Father. Maybe, maybe, at the, maybe at the end of the show you can tell us what those names are. Uh, I, I might have to leave that to better discretion. <laughs> well, Bishop, I will have to admit that I um, let Father John Rutten write the questions for today. So I'm kind of fascinated by this, the priest asking his bishop questions, and I was interested to hear what kind of things he wanted to know. And I don't know if you already know these answers, Father. I don't. No, that's why I asked. <laughs> <laughs> so we, you're heading into, is it your second year already? Well, believe it or not, so it was, uh, yeah, February, so not quite two years yet. We're getting up on, we're just coming up on my two-year anniversary in February. Oh, my gosh. Hard to believe, isn't it? Wow, it seems like forever. <laughs> Is that a good or I know. good? Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> a lot's happened in two years. Need it out. Definitely. Need it yeah, out. And, kind of, and, really, and really just curious what you've learned that uh, maybe in that first year, like what have you learned in the second year as a bishop that you didn't know that first year um, or what things have helped you, uh, you look back and you're like, wow. The first year, I didn't really, you know, what have have you learned in the second year? How has it been different for you? Great question. So I'd say, you know, in the first year, it was also new, of course, and I was just experiencing uh, a tremendous amount of grace, which I'm so thankful to God for. Uh, You know, he always knows what's best and how to help us make transitions in life. Um, And I think the second year has been more kind of, Okay, here's the inspiration that came, for example, with our diocesan vision that was so clear in a time of prayer and with the assistance of others being able to name it, of lifelong Catholic missionary discipleship through God's love. I think the second year has been more around, well, what does that look like in a practical way for uh, laity in different parts of the diocese and for parishes or Catholic schools or other Catholic institutions? So, I think it's almost like, you know, the rubber hitting the road, right? Like, here's the vision. What does it look like? And it's been very, very fascinating for me to observe how different individuals have um, 
embraced that or wondered about it or maybe even questioned it or trying to figure out what that looks like in their own life. So I'd say that there's kind of a combination of things. It's been a big learning curve of how people respond to um, diocesan leadership in my role as bishop. And uh, just to see some really some amazing things happening already because of people's wonderful embrace. And others may be trying to figure out what that looks like, or they might be have many other things going on in their lives, and they just haven't had a time to maybe process that as much. So, and then of course, with everything going on in the in the world, in the country, and even within our church, the complexities that go with living our faith in the world we live in today. Those would be some key learnings this last year. Hmm. What surprised you most uh, about being a bishop? You know, I'd say uh, the thing that has probably surprised me most since uh, coming to our wonderful diocese is the wholesomeness that I still experience in our diocese, much like what I remember growing up on the farm of just really people, you know, wanting to help neighbors and good-spirited and faith-filled, and and I just see so much goodness yet that um, it was surprising to me that in, in today's very secular world that just you know, it imposes itself in so many ways and draws so many people into that way of thinking that there's still so much good core uh, things in place. And with that, I see so much potential as well. I'd say that's probably what's been the most surprising thing, in addition to God's mm-hmm. extraordinary grace, which I shouldn't be surprised re- by, right? That's, that's how much <laughs> Yeah, uh, you're, you're uh, in my time with you. It's been great to see you're a storyteller. And um, I love your stories about growing up and um, wondered if maybe you've had a story recently that sort of exemplifies that for you. Uh, maybe something that's happened or someone you've met that helped you has, has contextualized that idea that there's goodness uh, in the world, in our diocese. Yeah, you know, one just like really, really recent has just been my experience of Christmas at the Cathedral, which has been going on for mm. so many years. You have all these people from different, even faith perspectives, gathering together, sharing their gifts, their talents to help um, help people enter into this season and to be able to support two beacons of hope, right? The homeless, uh, the Bishop Dudley uh, Hospitality House, uh, for an endowment for the cathedral to help support the, the facility itself. and So it just it's just the goodwill of people to get together, volunteer all their time at such a busy time of the year. It just be one simple, very, very recent example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great blessing. I was struck when you, I was there uh, one of the nights and uh, was struck when you mentioned that about the different faith traditions and it must have been in your heart in a way, because it really hit my heart in a way that suddenly I realized I am in this beautiful cathedral with many people who I don't know. Mm. And it's easy to go in there and be like, kind of do the priest thing, you know, Hey, how you doing? And that's beautiful. I love doing that. But at the same time, it put me in a different frame of reference. Like there's a lot of people here who maybe would never grace these doors and would never participate in something like this if it weren't for the Christmas at the cathedral and a real, uh, a real gratitude that this gesture, this uh, event exists where we can come together at a time in which so often it can be hard to do that. So it's interesting your observation there, Bishop. Um, it's uh, a couple of times a year all of the bishops come together. And your first year when you get together with them all, I can't imagine what that's like. But now that you've had t- 
two years. And then you add COVID into the middle of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You add, yeah. Uh, in your second year, I'm really curious uh, how you live being a bishop and if there's pressures or tensions at times to be a certain kind of bishop or if you feel, you know, is it similar like a, to being like a priest? You get in there and then it takes time to figure out like, well, who am I as a priest or what's mm. your experience been like? Uh, because you have a unique way about you, mm-hmm. and I think anybody that spends enough time watching or being present to you recognizes that. But wondering if that's easy for you, is that something like, uh, what's your experience been of the pressures to be a certain kind of bishop, or is it easy for you to just be who you are? Yeah, great question. I'd say that, you know, I'm I'm learning as I go, right? So. I would say that in some ways it was easier when I started, which might sound very, very ironic, because you would think, well, oh my gosh, you'd be even more, one would be even more conscious about, you know, what people are thinking or what people want or what they don't want, those kinds of things. But the grace was so strong that came to me in the chapel when the call came to me and I asked the Lord what he wanted. It was very clear. I'm not just say yes and I'll give you everything you need. So coming in, I just had the sense of, well, God's got it. He's got to figure it out. I just got to be myself. And it was really some beautiful encouragement from some people in my life. Um, one being he had a, a survivor of clergy sexual abuse, but others as well who just said, just be yourself. And so it gave me so much freedom to enter in as a farm boy kid. That's who I am, right? As a kid bishop, so to speak, uh, to just come in and just be myself. This is who I am. And so to, the whole point is if I stay focused on the Lord, there's a sense of ease and peace and joy and freedom. It's if I actually start thinking about what other people might want or don't want, or people, you know, for example, the struggles with COVID, and people have very, very different opinions on that, and people will send those opinions in or share them with me or others in various ways. Now, that can that could influence me to do things, but the whole key is, am I just being faithful to what, taking these matters to the Lord, praying on them, and letting Him use them in the way that He wants. So, I say it varies a lot for me, depending on how focused I am on the Lord. And if I stay focused on the Lord, then He's got to work these things out. I'll just do the best I can, use my reason and the, the insights from others, and then pray, and then whatever sense I have, I just go with. Beautiful. Well, yeah. if, you're, if you're just tuning in, we're talking with uh, Bishop Donald DeGrude this morning, and we're talking about um, his experience of being a bishop up to this point, and we're coming up on the two-year anniversary in February. Um, we're going to take a quick break, Bishop, and when we come back, we're hoping you'll stick with us through the commercial. Um, Father John Rutten has written the questions for you this morning. Some of them were written ahead of time, and some are being written right now. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> so it's a very fascinating conversation. So stay with us, folks. More Real Presence Live right after this. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sappo from Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision offers vision therapy services for children and adults. Symptoms of poor reading comprehension, headaches, tired eyes, and poor coordination can be indicators of eye movement conditions which affect reading and learning. Eye movement disorders are often undetected by school vision screenings and regular eye exams. For more information about how vision therapy can help treat these conditions, our website is www.lumen.vision. 
In this season of giving, give a life-changing gift to yourself or someone you love. Give the gift of education. What better time than now to complete a bachelor's degree, earn a graduate degree, or tailor your education with a certificate from the University of Mary. With classes available online, in the evenings, or a combination of both, your degree at Mary will fit into your schedule. Give yourself the gift of a flexible, affordable education from Mary. Learn more at online.umary.edu. Online.umary.edu. It's made our faith much more real. I mean, we've, we've always practiced our faith, you know, but that being said, um, there's so much more to our faith than an hour a week on Sundays. And I think oh, yeah. that's what, what Real Presence Radio has, along with fantastic priests and a great parish. That's really what constantly reminded of when I'm listening is just how rich and deep and historic and beautiful and and it's the truth you know it's truth what is truth our faith is is the truth and uh, you know and in this tough world that we live in you kind of need a constant you know a constant dose of the truth this is ginger kaiser from saint anne's in black duck minnesota thank you for listening to real presence radio listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. And welcome back. I am Heather Caro. And I'm Father John Rutten. And we're broadcasting today from St. John Paul II Parish in Harrisburg, South Dakota. We're having a great conversation this morning with our shepherd, Bishop Donald DeGrood. He is the bishop of the Sioux Falls Diocese. So... Great conversation. I'm really fascinated, Father John, to hear what questions you have for our bishop. We got some good ones coming up. (laughs) So the first good one for the second half is uh, curious, Bishop, as you look back over the last couple of years, where you find yourself most uh, happy or most alive with the work that you do. We all have lots of things we got to do, you know, but where do you look back and say, wow, when that's on my calendar, I'm just like ready to go. Other than Real Presence Radio. Yes, other than being with Heather. <laughs> well, I have to tell you, Heather, it's down the list a little ways because, number one, here's <laughs> the drum roll. <laughs> being able to get up early in the morning, go to the uh, Bishop House Chapel, and be in adoration. That uh, consistently is my... Life flood and being able to celebrate mass if I don't have a mass elsewhere. Uh, so it's really uh, the time with the Lord that enables me then to just be so filled with what I need to go and try to be the bishop that I'm sensing the Lord wants me to be. That's hard to compete with, Bishop. Yep. Good answer. Yep, you did. <laughs> um, when you go through um, periods of your life, you oftentimes have new needs arise. And you mentioned uh, what uh, that that the call came with said. I want you to go, and I'll give you everything you need. Mm. Um, what have you discovered were needs you had that maybe you wouldn't have expected? Um, and it doesn't have to be profound, but simple things that you're like, oh, I need help here. Yeah, you know, I think one of the key things is uh, I need help in understanding uh, history, context. 
needs of souls uh, of the diocese. So when I get, for example, the chapel in the morning, I get an inspiration, I have clarity on what to do, uh, being able to have people that I can process that with, um, whether it's, if it's a pastor related to whatever his particular assignment is, or a layperson, or out in the parishes when I go visit, or at, at some event or talk, uh, or chancery staff. You know, that, that really helps. I think I, I'm seeing the need for that even more and more. So it's not just a matter of what my own sense and prayer and inspiration leads me to, but how do we apply that in a way that um, God's providence is going to provide for? So I, I, I really mm. see the need for others to help with that. Ah, great. Um, when you're when you're in seminary, you get introduced to a whole series of reading materials that you never knew existed. That was my experience, mm -hmm. at least. Maybe you grew up differently, Bishop. Uh, um, could you speak to maybe a book that you discovered in seminary that most helped you at that time in your life, and then maybe a book as a priest that helped you uh, most at that time in your life? Oh, yeah. So, you know, uh, it'd be hard to even identify just one, but it, uh, one that jumps out at me, I had to do a talk, or I had to give a, um, I had to do a book review and uh, for moral theology. And I remember reading the book Contraception, Why Not? by Janet Smith. And one of the things that just kind of really opened my eyes was to see the uh, explanation of um what one might call a contraceptive mentality, meaning I can have whatever I want with no consequences. Mm. And it helped me see, so even outside of contraception itself, that particular topic, it's how in our culture, in our world, any of us individually can be like, we want what we want, but we don't want the consequences that might come with it, right? Which might mean mm. more sacrifice or wow. following God's plan rather than my plan. So it was... Um, it was like a, a scales falling off my eyes sort of experience that I realized was had a, a longer time. I think as a priest, uh, certainly one of them that uh, comes to me is a book um, by Alphonsus Liguori called The Practice of the Love of Jesus Christ. So it's a book that just in a very practical way helped me try to have the mind and the heart come together. What does practicing the love of Jesus Christ look like? And so his articulation of that was just, um, I would say, a really, really uh, helpful piece uh, along the way. There's also one, uh, as a priest, when I went on sabbatical back in about 2009, I believe it was, I, I went with, you know, kind of thinking, hey, I'd like to read this or that or the other thing. But the Lord was really drawing my heart to just go back to a document from Vatican II on the role of the laity in the life of the Church in the world. So, and I just had the sense the mm -hmm. Lord was drawing me to help the faithful see their role as priest, prophet, and king through baptism. So as moms and dads, grandparents, as people in the world, what does that look like? How do I let God be so alive in me that I take it into the world that I live to share the good news? Mm -hmm. And so God sometimes surprises me with things that I did not anticipate, and I would say these three would be examples of that. Wow, that's beautiful. It uh, it reminds me of so you this one as a priest the role of leading the world like happened before you know you're a bishop like you had no idea the trajectory it was taking it sort of like your life reminds me that 
if we receive what God wants us to receive right now, He's preparing us for what He wants us to do tomorrow, mm. like, or even later in the day. Like, He, you receive from Him in the morning in the chapel, and then you can do what He asks during the day. Like, and in a big context, here you could be reading these documents or the things that are stirring in our hearts now. Maybe don't have what we think of as a practical, you know, we're Western American practical thinkers. I need to, like, put what I have to use, so to say, um, as opposed to receiving. You know, the Christian is the one who receives in that disposition of Mary, not to use it, but to be an instrument of glory, of God's glory. So whether that's through the truth of something you read and the formation of the mind or the reception of something beautiful and the, the way that impacts our soul and... Um, so yeah, I'm just struck that all of those receptive things then in time, God will put to use the way that he wants. Yeah. <laughs> and a document you're reading on the laity is what now here you as bishop in our diocese are able to like allow to really flourish. Um, and for people to really grow in their awareness that whatever God wants you to receive right now, doesn't have to have a practical use. Hmm. Um, no receive, cause this hmm. is what he wants for you right now. Um, what would you say, Bishop, you've received uh, in these days um, from being uh, guiding seminarians? We had James Carroll on here who was in the seminary and is now married, preparing for his first child. I know he'd appreciate your prayers for their little child to be born. Uh, and then J.P. Thornton was here and his discernment process. What would you say you've learned as Bishop in working with these men. I know you have a great affection for them and you want the best for them. You know, what jumps out of my mind is that great line from St. Therese of the Sioux near the end of her life, it's all grace. Meaning, uh, the grace in each, in these examples, in a seminarian's life, in a priest's life, and it's true for a laity, it's all about grace. Meaning God's spiritual help and when the soul's, when God gives the grace and when the soul's ready to respond to it. So, um, you know, maybe the discernment process of uh, J.P. Thornton, for example, right? So it's all about God's grace and then how that soul responds. And my role as bishop is to be a spiritual father, to play like heck for them, to love them, to listen to them, to offer, if I have a sense of something, some words of encouragement or maybe even challenge or invitation. But it's really to love them as a spiritual father, knowing their their ultimate father, their real father. I'm just a reflection of God the Father uh, for them. But it needs to be their growing into it, their choosing to respond to God's call, just like the laity. So it's true for all of us. And it's a privileged role as a seminarian because of the role of discerning priesthood as a bishop to invite them into the deeper intimacy with God, which enables them to discover within themselves the call that God has for them, and just to be a spiritual father praying, mentoring, trying to witness for them, um, and encourage them in their discernment. Well, thank you. I know another group of people that have a huge place in your heart uh, are your family, uh, your father who is uh, in his eternal journey, and your mother here on earth, your, your siblings, um, how is the relationship with them, uh, what, what's the relationship with them been like since you've been uh, bishop uh, and now a little more rooted after your second year? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I think of it's not unlike uh, distance increases fondness. 
So sometimes the further away I remember on sabbatical, my fondness for my family in a very different way. It's more of a spiritual connection than the physical um, interactions because I'm not around him as much. Uh, so I'd say that's part of what happened uh, for me is just a greater appreciation and love, if you will, for them, um, even though it's much more remote, right? Um, so I'd say it's, it's the growing gratitude, um, you know, desires for good things for them. That's more of in prayer and the spiritual experience with them and my father, um, rather than the more proximate being in their presence, if you will. Mm. Well, if you're just tuning in, we're talking with Bishop Donald DeGrude this morning. He's sharing with us just the life of a bishop and all the things that he has to deal with um, in and out of being the bishop. Um, Bishop, one last question I have for you that um, I've been thinking about as I'm listening to you. A lot of people must come to you for advice. Um, Do you ever have moments where you don't have the answer? And what do you do in that moment? Yeah, there's a lot of times I won't necessarily have the answer, uh, especially as a new bishop, if it's something I need to learn on a practical end. But it also can be, let's say it's a spiritual question. Uh, let's say it's, it's uh, you know, the death of a, of, a young, uh, of a young child or whatever it might be. Um, I know that what the Lord just wants me to do is to love them and not to uh, try to answer a question that I don't have the answer to. But rather to be authentic with them and to say, you know, I'm just here with you. I, I'm praying for you, and um, you know, I just want to be a support to you. So it's really living in authenticity is really the key to not be what we aren't, but to be authentic and say, that's a good question. I don't know that answer. I'll have to do some research, or we may not have that answer until we get to heaven. But you know what? I know God yeah. loves us, and I know we love you. Uh, so sometimes it's just manifesting the beautiful gift of God's love for them. And, and that I do know, and so that I can share mm-hmm. with them. But what I don't know, it's important to be authentic and not pretend that I have an answer. I love it. Well, we got a last few minutes, and we also have a last few minutes of Advent. Uh, could you give us a little <laughs> spiritual encouragement to live these last days before Christmas? Yeah. Think of the words all the way back to seminary days when you asked that question. It comes from uh, with Bishop Dudley when he, when I was a seminarian, he was given a retreat and he was speaking on epitha, which means speaking about the, the deaf man. Be open. I think the key right now is just be open. Let God surprise you, and just mm-hmm. receive, receive what God wants each of us to receive this Christmas. Let Him surprise us by His presence and His love for us. That would be my encouragement and um, my hope, and it will be my prayer. Beautiful. Thank, Thank you, you so Bishop DeGrude. You are most welcome. Blessings to you and a blessed Advent uh, to the remaining card and an awesome Christmas with lots of grace. All right. Thank you so much, Amen. Bishop. Go in peace. All right, Amen. folks. We're, we're going to take a quick break. When you come back, Father John Rutten will be on the spot. So stay with us. More Real Presence Live right after this. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.